1: And this ain't no true crime podcast. Honestly, you can't call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. So first with us today, we got Tank.
2: Hey, everybody. Ready to crack some brews and uh, talk about some bad guys. And also with us, we got Dan.
3: I, too, am ready for the booze in this room with a couple of dudes. Chicka, chicka, chicka. Word. Just say the word. Ch- <laughs> ch- 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 word.
1: Well, we going we going 80s hip hop. <laughs> word to your mother. So, Tank, what well, you got to drink over there? So you said this one uh
2: yep, it... uh coming from Ann Arbor, another Holmes Brew, uh Blackberry Metaform. I think I've actually brought it to the podcast before, but it's a solid contender so doing it again. It's a strong sour IPA some milk, sugar, and vanilla bean action. I believe it's around 6, 6.5%. Six All right,
1: Dan, you got uh, another yeah. Big Lake. I see the the mitten looking at me, so it's obviously local as fuck.
3: Yeah, this is actually courtesy of Tank, our resident beer expert. It's from Big Lake Brewery, which is local here in Michigan, and it's Fudgy Kruger going with top. I don't know when this comes out, but right now it's right before Halloween, so it is the season. Yep. And it's a uh, oatmeal stout, and I've been uh, stouting it all night. And so this goes right along with it. I have yet to really crack it open, so I'm going to get a taste of it as the episode goes on.
1: This is real-time brew tasting.
3: Yep. Uh-huh. And
1: little ASMR. It's free content. Okay.
3: This is fucking delicious. I just took a big old gulp of it. This is fucking... This is right on point.
2: My friend went on a trip. They stopped at Big Lake on the way back. Said there's nice folks out there. It's on the west side of our beautiful state. They picked us up. It's not expensive i don't know how often they brew it like you said but it seems like it's a tis the season thing being around halloween and whatnot
3: yeah i mean it's fudgy kruger and yeah it's very uh chocolatey you can taste it it says it's got a it's oatmeal stout with lactose cocoa nibs and vanilla beans
2: yep it's on that whole uh yeah it's milkshake stout wave
1: yeah this thing's fucking delicious i think it's fitting because like, he's kind of the beer guy. You're like the horror guy. So, that's right up here. This ass. is what it's like when worlds collide. <laughs> well, and that's a, uh, and it's in a Walking Dead glass, which yeah. has now jumped the shark. But at one point, Walking Dead had like Frank Darabont on and shit. It's like yep. legit
3: horror. Yep. Yeah. Yep. See, I mean, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain and that's certain shows certain shows yeah. especially like horror themed ones walking dead is one dexter's one certain shows if they quit right around season four or five then you're good greedy asshole. if the
1: 80s and scarface told us anything push it to the limit,
3: limit. <laughs> We're walking
1: on the <laughs> razor's edge <laughs> you know?
3: uh. i mean if master p taught us anything
1: there are no limits so I got Old Nations Cart Horse IPA, which I had on here before, but your big uh, Old Nations guy. Yep. That's like, uh, it's one of your favorite
2: breweries and stuff? Yeah, man, they, uh, you know, these newer uh, hazy IPAs, they really, I, I like them a lot, and they come through with it every time, and that's one of, the, my, one of my favorites around here.
1: All right, well, we're going to go ahead and get started, and the bad guy we're covering today is Samuel Levine.
4: It's ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface, final scene. Fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend.
3: Oh, Sam Levine, the actor? Yup. Lil' Logan? Yep. No, Lil' Wolverine. There's a couple actors, Levine, right? Isn't there Adam Levine? Adam Levine, yeah. Yeah, Levine's almost like a pretty... Because isn't <laughs> it a uh, Levine, a Jewish name? Maroon like, it's almost like a Jewish... Two. Yeah, it's almost Adam like Levine. a Jewish smith. Yes, this like, guy is very Jewish. Sam, Le- Jewish. Sam Levine is like John Smith. That's in fact correct. Yep. <laughs> he,
4: he looked Ray. at the
1: story like he knows He knows my first note and shit. <laughs> so Sam Levine was born December 27, 1902 in, in Toledo, Ohio, and grew up on the Lower East Side of Manhattan in a strict Jewish household. From Toledo to Manhattan. Yeah. All right. So the Lower East Side of Manhattan were known as the Jewish ghettos. That's kind of where the term ghetto comes from. Yeah. At eight years old, he went to work on an ice truck to help support his family. Then he started getting caught by truant officers that would make him go to school. And by 15 years old, he lied about his age and joined the Navy to fight in World War I. Okay. He never seen action, was constantly bullied over his red hair and freckles. Uh, He was one of the only Jewish kids. And he looked real young, and it was because he was, in fact, 15
3: (laughs) No wonder he's getting picked on. He's this little fifteen year old. If you don't know, imagine him, he's like, "Fuck it,
2: man! I'm gonna lie about my age. I'm gonna do some man shit and jump straight into the fucking service. I'm gonna go to World War One, and then you go to World War One, and motherfuckers are making fun of you. Like, wait, man! I'm like, I'm right here with you. We're we're gonna dig some trenches and shoot some motherfuckers and shit. Like, no, you got red hair and you're pale and shit. Like, fuck, man."
3: That recruiter didn't give a fuck. Like, there's no way he doesn't know he's under 18. He's like, "Fuck it, it's wartime. Hop on the boat, kid. Yep. We don't give a fuck. Go mm. wrap up some rope."
1: <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that hard at that time. Yeah. Like, you see, guys, the further back we go into history, the lower and lower the line about eight, about your age got. Goes from 17 to 16, and now we're at World War One, like 15. Now you go back to the Revolutionary War, like, well, yeah, 15. You're a soldier. Grab your gun and go, it. <laughs> yeah. What are you thinking? You're the man of the house, right? So he eventually goes a wall and just works his way back to New York. Oh. Easy to get in, easy to get out. <laughs> what are you going to do? You're going to go fucking hawk down this 15-year-old and be like, oh, you we better really, get back
2: to the Navy. We really needed you, kid. We made fun of the whole time.
1: Back in New York, he began his criminal career and became an associate of up-and-coming gangsters, Meyer Lansky and Lucky Luciano. All
3: right, so the new wave. It's a good crew to jump on board. Yeah. Picked a winning team. Way better than the Navy.
2: <laughs> Interesting, considering the fact that, like, he got he got made fun of in the Navy and shit, and then he was able to come jump on with Meyer Lansky and Luciano, you know what I mean?
3: Well, I
1: mean, I mean he was 15. That's like, I mean... Yeah,
2: no, you're well, right. Uh, that's when other people are in A-ball, high school. He was yeah. in
1: the Navy. Like, so yeah, he's getting picked on. It also said he was getting in fights. So... All right. Getting in fights on a fucking boat against grown men in the Army. Or, the, you know what I mean? In the Navy.
3: Yeah, we've that's seen a, it. That's a learning and I mean, young teenage kids working for the mob and for mob on the streets and shit makes a lot more sense than the 15-year-old in the Navy. This is normal shit.
1: So he worked closely with Meyer Lansky and Lucky Luciano through most of Prohibition. There was a quote from Martin Gosh in Richard Hammer's 1975 book, The Last Testament of Lucky Luciano, where Lucky Luciano was called Red the best driver and hitman he ever had.
3: And that's a quote you put on the front of your biography. Right? Yeah. Oh I'm sorry let me pick up that name I just dropped
1: At the same time Sam always held firmly to his beliefs as an Orthodox Jew He kept a kosher household and he always wore a yarmulke under his hats He always observed the Sabbath and would typically refuse a piece of work on Shabbat The Jewish Shabbat
2: is Saturday I remember that I mean who likes
3: to work on a Saturday
2: I remember that only from uh, the Big Lebowski And Walter's character (laughs) was pissed off that he had to bowl on Saturday
3: so many things to be learned from that movie.
2: White Russians. Never had one, and we'll, we're going to do one on the podcast one day. We're going to have to oh, cover sure. another Russian dude and make that a theme drink.
3: That's something for the listeners to
1: look forward to. If Levine had no choice and had to make a hit on Shabbat, he would have to go pull on a talent says prayers before he go do a job. Not <laughs> re- <laughs> Semi-devout.
3: Well, I mean, everyone's got their lines, priorities, about, you know.
1: Uh, loopholes, right? Having came up with Meyer Lansky and Lucky Luciano began to pay dividends as they quickly moved their way up the New York Underworld through the Prohibition era. Lucky Luciano would often use his Jewish connections for hits on rival Italian gangsters. Since most of the old school Sicilian mustache Pete's did not associate with Jews, they wouldn't recognize them as potential threats.
3: Always underestimating your enemy. That'll get you caught up every time. That
1: was one thing that stuck with uh, Luciano through most of his career. like The fact that he had all these extra friends that were jewish and that were different and everybody else was going the mob bro and getting made you know and he kind of did his own thing paid dividends at the end of the day like bugsy Siegel's walking up on him and they're like i don't know
3: this kid that's kind of what's great like people that don't know too much about the mafia they just hear names like yeah al capone lucky luciano all these names. they don't understand luciano and meyer lansky like changed the game up to them they didn't take jews too serious Like you said, they underestimated him all the time. And there was actually a big war. Luciano had to kill the old guard to be able to do shit his way, which was, they were inclusive. Well, that killing of the
1: old guard started on April 15th, 1931. Exactly what you said. He didn't like the old way they were doing it. So the old Sicilian bosses were like, no, we're going to stick to our game plan. So lucky Luciano worked for Joe the Boss Masseria, Masseria. (laughs) I'm going to keep butchering that motherfucker. Very sorry. So I'll, I'll switch back and forth, though, so I'll, na- I'll nail it.
3: Like we'll just change legit. to an Irish name. No, yeah. I mean,
2: I, that actually, it's a thing in my family, my last name. It could be one or two fucking names, and it's legit. On April 15th,
1: 1931, Lucky Luciano was playing cards with Joe the Boss Masseria. So Lucky Luciano gets up to go to the bathroom. While he was away from the table, a group of gunmen, including Red Levine and Bugsy Siegel, came in and shot up Joe the Boss.
3: Yeah. So here's the, oh here's the Joe the God. Boss. Now he's holding a, uh, what is that, a king? A it's an ace, of, ace. ace um, of spades. Yeah, someone definitely playing that card. There's no way he went down holding my thing. Yeah, <laughs> so that's a big thing. Like, it
1: makes for a great pitcher, but like now in hindsight, yeah. for sure, yeah. that's a doctored pitcher. Joe the Boss was shot in the head, chest, and back. The hit was arranged on Lucky Luciano on behalf of Salvatore Maranzano, and that ended the Castellammarese Wars. In return, Luciano was made boss of Joe's family, while Salvatore Maranzano was made Capo di Tutti Capi, which was the boss of bosses. Seize the day. So Maranzano organized the New York mob into the five families that it is now and placed himself at the head. So his reign was short-lived. On September 10th, Luciano sent four Jewish hitmen, including Levine, to Maranzano's office disguised as law enforcement officers. They went in, they disarmed the bodyguards, and... They stabbed Maranzano
2: to death repeatedly before shooting him. Oh damn! Damn, real they bad. Fuck with his pants too.
3: <laughs> That's over the line. You can stab <laughs> him, but they, they fuck with his you. pants. <laughs> <laughs> but they out there fucking cleaning house.
1: Any remaining family members loyal to the Mustache Pits, is what they called the old guard of Sicilians, were eliminated. And Luciano created the commission, which was a governing body for the criminal underworld. And most of them said, like, he'd just be the boss of bosses, but he didn't want to do that because he thought that's what caused all the problems. So they came up with the commission, and he was still, like, the head of the commission, which is kind of the same thing. But, you know, technicality. Yeah. I mean,
3: really long story that when you really get into Lucky Luciano, there's a reason why he's, like so famous because he really changed the game before him it was all sicilians he said like no we'll throw more shit in it then they wanted to make him king and he was like russell crone gladiator he's like no 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 i gonna be a republic <laughs> like, i don't right. want Senate, it so. right i don't want it so, but but i will be chairman of the board i'll still be your george washington all right well, we're gonna take a real quick smoke break
1: refill our drinks and we'll be back in a minute
4: The chapel with shackles to break out of. They cower solo, but mob them and they crowd us. Spilling in the street with heat like hot lava. Hot bottles, molotovs tossed and rocks, follow. Ominous disciples like vipers, they strike quickly. Come at me like an army, I'm tearing you down with me. Spit like a bear rulers are bred like kaisers. Roll with the goal and get beaten like outsiders. These amateur animals swing in the wrong jungle. Climbing the wrong vines Mean these lions will snuff you. Concrete wilderness building our own structures. Lighting our own judges, overthrowing authority, morally lack conscience. Fighting for survival with rivals with throat punches. to the area, carrying curved swords, Slither in the back to We crush them with brute force. Men storming the harbor with armored attack armaments, calling all guards to swarm them and skin their faces for ornaments. Order more troops to corner them, agent Orange and order them. Kill them all, just destroy them and let your guy get to sorting them. honor corroded as soon as it was awarded. Some were thwarted before they could be supported. Rolling thunder bombarded and flaming dart put a part of them. Separate and disarm them and send the the. Operation Niagara, Viet Cong on the battle with Laying mines and grenades and flamethrowers to scatter them Dear mama, this battle is harder than what we thought it'd be Every part of me scarred, I'll be recognized when they murder me oh, yeah. It's almost time to run put on your army helmets now you're running toward the sun with all your guns defenses down flashes everywhere the lights create an atmosphere water in your lungs you pray for death but life is here you're about to die face it you're about to die zero sand in your glass fuck it, you can't even cry put a dagger to your neck just to keep yourself in check put a dagger to your neck just to keep yourself in check everybody grab a side as you fight to stay alive dancing on a hand grenade so you they survive. Silver bullets in the sky, dropping seven-second death, scattering the children. Run, rubbing till there's nothing left. Ashes in the water. Sons and daughters hold the flags up high, wallow in the harbor as the military tanks arrive, penetrate the border with disorder like an animal. Every war is the honor of turning kings into cannibals. Oh, okay.
3: back in the <laughs> saddle again
1: i think i've actually told this story on the podcast but just in case i'm going to redo it again one of my favorite all-time mma moments randy couture had retired and tim Sylvia was out there bumming around with some boring heavyweight fights and randy couture came out of retirement to go up a division and fight tim silvia for the championship and he came out to back in the saddle again
2: and that's, that's like one of Aerosmith's hardest songs too, mm-hmm. man. Cause, cause of the way that Steven Tyler says back, Bad. and I think that had to do with drug addiction and whatnot, but either way, like for a fighter to come out to that song, fuck yeah, that's got to pump you up.
1: Hey, and some of the best MMA songs aren't like badass songs like that. Like Matt Hughes is known, he, he comes out to country boy can survive. <laughs> yep. Even if it's not a hard song, if it works for you. Hey. All right, so we left off. Lucky Luciano would put himself in place as chairman of the board. Word. One of the first things the commissions decided to do to eliminate constant wars was they would agree on sanction hits. So you couldn't just kill each other's members on the fuck of it. You you know what I mean? Just on a whim.
3: So this was like the Geneva
1: Conventions of the mob? (laughs) Yes, very much so. So then they put together a group to handle all the sanction hits. Okay. This group would later Jeez. be known to dubbed as
2: the Murdering. Oh, Ja Rule. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna yeah. say Ashante. Hey, that went up.
3: That went, That's went, what you did. You go from before one me. end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> That's what they do. You go in there, and then it's a panel, and they say, "All right, this guy went too far. And it's time like, uh, we had to take it a It ain't even a
2: question. You can kill this dude.
3: It's, like, it's murder. And then he bangs his gavel. <laughs> So these guys didn't get
1: their name from Job ja Rule and Sean Hank and What? Ship. It actually went the other way. I know.
3: If we learn if, anything tonight.
1: If you could wrap your head around that. And they didn't call themselves Murder, Inc. That yeah. just became a name, like, appointed to them. They like to refer themselves as the death panel. <laughs> it was led by Lepke Buckhalter and Albert Anastasia. So the group was, like, half Italian, half Jewish. So they had both. For one, they could work in either group. So now that everything was organized, you got some of these Jewish guys that aren't working. You can bring some out-of-town hit hitters, some Italian dudes from New York, or vice versa. Bring in the bronze. And a lot of them were extra religious, which is real weird. They did the most hits, but most, a lot of them were pretty religious. So they had the Catholics that had the Sunday as the Sabbath. The Jewish hitman had Shabbat on Saturday. So Murder, Inc. was like available seven days a week.
3: Pick up his <laughs> and shit. Hey, you pick up my shift. I'll pick up yours. That's awesome. <laughs> one group Saturdays their day off. The other one Sunday.
2: And here I was thinking it was going the other way. Like nobody was getting killed on Saturday or Sunday. Like no man. That's it's it's we're flexible. <laughs> yep. You know we can go both ways. We're Murder Inc. Baby. Murder
3: Inc. Everybody's dying on <laughs> <all> the weekends.
1: <laughs> Murder Inc. was led by a group of Italian and Jewish hitmen, including Red Levine. He was known to have a long-time rov- rivalry with fellow Murder, Inc. hitman Charles the Bug Workman.
2: No, I can kill him better than you.
3: Yeah, that's what, it was a friendly workplace rivalry. They were frenemies. It was like uh, the dwarf and the elf in Lord of the Rings. They <laughs> were like,
2: just. It was like you and your Facebook friends with politics. Like, look, we can disagree on Facebook about politicians, but at the end of the day, we can still be friends. We're buddies. Come on, Bug. You, know, all who, right, you Red. know who the better killer is, Bugs. It was just a little competitive edge. Well, that's exactly what it was
1: because Red considered him greedy and accused him of stealing too many murder contracts. <laughs> Taking all my jobs. He was. I draw the line somewhere. There was a quote about him in court where he was talking about Bugs Workman where he said, Anytime I got a contract, Charlie is around to do the killing.
3: Everywhere I go, this guy's taking my hits yeah. I try to kill a guy, he's over here Killing another guy, it's like, hey, what the hell, buddy He's like a salesman in the office Like, uh, they both go Into the office, talk to their boss Hey, you're giving him all the leads <laughs> I'm out here having a cold call
1: <laughs> One thing Murder, Inc. did was they kept Everybody on a retainer, and then they would get Bonuses for, <laughs> for work And then they would get extra bonuses
2: If they did it well oh this guy's really gonna ruin my christmas bonus they get a knockout
3: bonus and shit like the ufc i mean business wise they have a good business structure like the a bonus if you do it nice and clean easy i mean giving the best hitman the jobs and shit i mean the mobber has their business structure i mean just if you take a step back as an institution or whatever they got their shit down
2: Hey man, they know it works. Incentivize, baby. Incentivize your employees if you want results.
1: Look, everybody's getting paid, everybody's putting food on the table, but you wanna you wanna make it a Merry Christmas over at the Anastasia house? You gotta, you well gotta that's why the there comments. was
2: the infighting, right? That was there was that's why there was the friendly uh co worker rivalry. <clears throat> They're like, Oh oh, you want some points for Pizzazz? Well, make that murder a little bit uh smoother
3: next See, time. Here at Murder Inc. We like to create a friendly, healthy, competitive environment. We like to encourage our employees to do the best they can and give them extra bonuses when they do. Hey, how's it going, Bugsy? How's those killings? All right. Are you murdering to your
2: full potential?
3: Here at Murder, Inc., we want you to be the best hitman you can be. The difference between ordinary and extraordinary? That little extra.
1: extra. (laughs) murder Inc. eventually began to unravel in the early 40s due to members turning states' evidence for being murdered. So they all started getting knocked off and a handful ratted. But the problem is they were ratted on murders. You know, not numbers games and stuff like that. So
3: everybody was going down. Well, see, that's one where to get my, like, real judgment on the history, I would have to know the chicken or the egg did people start snitching first then people started getting killed or did they start killing people first then people started snitching because i mean once the institution or whatever you're loyal to starts knocking motherfuckers off i mean whatever you got to survive
2: and i mean you said 40s right Early 40s this was. Yeah, 1940s. I think early. You 40s. know when it, we've seen it before in other episodes. Some dudes they can hold it down until their old age, and they can fucking not turn states evidence, and they can not take the easy way out. And other dudes are like, well, I've been murder inking for a, for a while, <laughs> and this shit ain't this shit ain't cool no more. I'm gonna I'm... fucking turn states evidence to take the easy way out.
3: I've given this company twenty years of my life, <laughs> my 401k is just plummeted. And they keep on axing everybody. Everyone's Every, getting the can. Everybody else gets the easy gigs. I get the hard gigs. You know what? I'm blowing the whistle. Murder Inc. was rumored
1: to have been responsible for between four hundred to a thousand murders. Oh,
3: well, I mean that sounds crazy, But also, when you're Murder Inc., those are outstanding numbers. Like those are a positive. Like, from a normal person, like, business is good. Ew, that's yeah. horrible. But, I mean, if you're part of that, Inc., it's like, yeah, this is great. Numbers ABK, always be killing.
1: <laughs> Many high profile members were killed. Uh, most of the others went to jail. So, a whole bunch of Murder Inc. guys were convicted and sent to Old Sparky, which is the electric chair in Sing Sing Prison.
3: Shit. You know, it's seen a lot of action where it gets its own name. So old Sparky's been stolen as a
1: nickname for a bunch of other people's electric chairs and it's what they called the one in the green mile.
2: Yep. But it comes. Yeah,
1: it comes from the uh Sing Sing. Another miserable place to go. How many miserable prisons do you want to hear about? I got one per episode. I got a terrible place
2: we can send you. <laughs> Nobody's singing in Sing Sing. One of the only
1: members not indicted or murdered was Sam Levine. He seemingly disappeared off the face of the earth. Little else was known with his life of his life after this.
3: Damn, he just no, fucking vanished he just Yeah, uh...
1: that's not what I was expecting. So yeah, he did. But then somebody did like a like an investigation on him in 2001. Turns out somebody should have done an investigation a little bit sooner. Yeah. So the rest of this as it goes, we didn't find out till 2001, if that makes sense. In the 1940s, he basically just disappeared. Most people think that he was really close with Meyer Lansky, and then when everything fell apart, he kind of Tucked him away and got him like a cush gig.
3: Well, and I mean, this is back in the day where people just changed their names, went by a new name. like, all right, you're this guy now. So it's not as hard to like reason that someone could just start anew somewhere. So
1: research done in hindsight shows that Zion Memorial Chapel had Levine on the payroll as late as 1966. When they were interviewed about it from the New York Times, their quote was said, he was on her payroll. He needed to show legitimate income. Red got a check for $200 every week. Other evidence shows that into the seventies he was active with the newspaper and mail deliverers union.
3: The newspaper so, what?
2: Interesting. Union. The newspaper deliverers union. Man. We demand I'm, new bicycles. I remember being uh ten years old and delivering newspapers. And Were I would you and the union I wouldn't even have fathomed a motherfucking newspaper <laughs> delivering union. It's it's funny how times change.
3: We want you guys to cover the cost of rubber bands. <laughs>
2: I have covered a lot on this show is
1: guys that are growing up would do paper routes that would have to fight in alleys over routes. So fighting over uh, newspapers is like an early entry into gangsterdom, apparently.
2: I remember <laughs> uh, Newsies and and some early uh, mob movies from the early 1900s. that It seemed to be like a central point, you know, was delivering newspapers or selling newspapers was, you know.
1: The subscription
2: way...
3: model works. Yep. Okay, that's what we do. Well, I mean, between him and the other hitman, he really knows how to get the competitive edge and fight for those leads and get the best routes.
1: There's a quote from the Village Voice that said, Well into the 1970s, Jewish racketeers played a major role in the Union. So the Union was known to be controlled by Jewish mobsters since the 20s. The quote said that Levine cleverly allowed each of the city's five mafia families to have equal piece of the newspaper delivery action which included bootleg sales of stolen papers as well as loan sharking and gambling among drivers. There's even, legend has it, they have evidence that he was at the Ravenite Club in the early 70s, which is where John Gotti, when he took over, used to make his guys check in at the Ravenite Club.
3: So this is crazy. It starts with, and then in the 1940s, he disappeared. But then 2001, someone did some research and discovered... No, he did other cliche mob shit and just was a <laughs> mobster. Like he didn't disappear at all. You he just did he, the same thing. He did normal mob shit. Like, I don't understand how the fuck he disappeared. He's hanging out in mob clubs doing union racketeering with other mobs. We all know where he went. I like what's the right there what I are you talking was, about
2: i think he was bootlegging newspapers <laughs>
3: this is right back to what you said in the beginning where it's like the italians just like jewish people were good assassins because the italian people just be like yeah the jewish kid, fuck him not paying attention to him at all he didn't disappear at all he did normal mob shit like his entire life collecting a fake income uh working for a union it's like getting chased by the cop and, like, you just jog 10 feet and go around a corner. And the cop's like, oh, I don't know. He went too far. He disappeared. I don't yeah, know like way Grand went. Theft like, Auto and shit. Yeah. His, like,
2: he went from five stars to two stars yeah. overnight and shit. Yeah.
3: He hung out in a garage for five minutes and went right back to mob shit. <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: this is craziness. I don't want to state the obvious too much, but that's the the sign of the times. I mean, the technology back then. Well, no, I mean,
3: they busted the other mobsters and they didn't even, like, he hit out. He did other normal mobster shit. (laughs) Still in New York. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he didn't even skip town. He was just better connected. You think the guy that did research in 2001 was like, hey, what the fuck? Like, this was very easy. Why did you guys say he disappeared? Well, and... An
2: hour and a half into his research, he was done and shit. I just Googled some shit, guys, and I found this. Well, and I didn't get too into this, but technically,
1: when Albert Anastasia got killed... That was in the 50s, so he survived that purge for a little bit, and then went on to some mob shit. The guys that got fucked were mostly the Jewish guys that didn't have the connections they did. Okay. So they all either killed each other, or got locked up, or told
3: on each other. So they just sort of assumed that Sam Levine was just another one of them, turns Mm -hmm. out he just kept thriving?
1: A guy that fucking uh, told on most of the murder rank, and got away with a clean, and then when he was ready to tell on Albert Anastasia, all of a sudden got suspiciously killed under government witness. Oh, Oh,
3: Double A don't play that shit. You can talk all that shit you want about Murder, Inc. You come at good old Anastasia, you're getting taken
1: out. That was his side hustle. Murder, Inc. was Anastasia's side hustle. Red Levine was believed to have died of natural causes on April 7th,
3: 1972. Aw, boo, what a lackluster ending. Unless you're Natural Sam Levine. Causes. Causes. I, mean,
2: I mean, I'm with you there. But, you know, I like to play into the, even though you were around for a long time, kind of under the radar, there was still probably a lot of shit you got away with, Angle. I mean, I'm all right with it. All right, so that's the story of Sam Red Levine. So say
0: goodnight to the bad guy. Come on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you.
1: Now, you guys haven't seen a picture yet. If we were going to cast a movie about Sam
3: Levine, who would you cast to play him? Well, he's got to be a ginger fella. Hmm. I'm I'm just trying to think of what age range to go with because he had a nice, good, long career, so it has to be like a grown-ass man.
2: I won't pretend like I remember hearing anything about the description of his size or anything. I mean, red hair, like you said, you're kind of... You kinda Uh-oh. narrowed down there was an actor from a TV show I watched called Life and now he was on a show called Billions with Paul Giamatti. Mm-hmm. Um he has red hair and um I'm struggling with his name. Damien Lewis? I think that's it. That's him. Yep. That's who I think of when I think of a redheaded dude who could pull off a mobster 'cause he's he's got range in acting. Um from the two shows i've seen him in but well i seen him he was real big in uh what was that homeland or whatever the... uh see and that came before those two shows i think and i have never watched one episode of homelands but i've heard he was good in it
1: he's captain
2: winters and uh band of brothers and he was oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I haven't seen a, an episode of Band of Brothers either, which... Oh, you got to get on
1: some shit, man. I know, go,
3: man. Those, yeah, if, you that's got a, so, if
2: you got some binge time, go with Band of Brothers. There's only one season, so
1: when you watch it, you're done. Yep. So, you, you
3: yeah, know. it's just a, a mini-series. Yep. And especially, that's like decades ago. Like, you had all the time in the world to get know, up on man. that. I Dude, know, man. Dude, you
1: see, like, Jimmy Fallon pull up on a Jeep?
3: Dude, you it's know crazy. Out of everything that that guy's in, I think of him from the movie Your Highness... The Danny McBride movie with James Franco. It's not even that good of a movie. It's funny if you get high and watch it. It's like a fantasy movie spoof. Band of Brothers is Tom Hardy's first acting job.
2: Really? Yeah,
3: yeah. he's real tiny too. Like if yeah, like You wouldn't real, even recognize who he flies. is.
1: He's like a dude, like a soldier having sex with a French chick.
3: Yeah, that's yeah. it. It just really? breaks into him having sex in a room.
2: Yeah. Man, that's, that's a show that I, I always said I wanted to get on and I never did.
3: But uh, I just kind of cheating because I'm on my phone. I was looking up. But the guy that I was thinking of is uh he's in a few things. But his main thing is from uh, Black Sales. He was in that one. Oh, he was okay. the main guy. He's the guy yep. there. His name is uh, uh, Toby Flint. Stevens. Flint. Uh, maybe more people know him from the Netflix series. Um, What is it? Danger Will Robinson. what Robinson. Lost, oh, lost in Space. Yeah, he's the dad from that. Oh, really? But he plays real intimidating. I'm...
2: He's a good actor
3: yeah and just in black sales he plays very intimidating and very like take charge and all that sort of shit and like almost feels justified in all of his crimes that sort of shit Yep. like i could see him easily playing a mobster
2: i'm just pumped up i actually could okay. uh get one this time
3: yeah like, good job dude. <laughs>
2: that's what i'm saying so this is the guy i
1: thought of was uh sean haddesey uh, have you ever seen the show animal kingdom no sir. No. it's kind of a gangster it's by like a gangster family uh but he was also an alpha dog his name is sean haddesey oh all right
3: see i know him as the jock of oh, yeah. the faculty yep. yes he's the jock in the faculty yep all right i mean he seems like a yep. scrappy redhead do it mm-hmm. yeah
2: fuck yeah he hasn't
3: been in anything in a while though i don't think i haven't seen him in anything in like well, because he's doing the Animal Kingdom show, which is big. Oh, but no, because big...
1: you just said Animal Kingdom. Right, but Wait. if you don't watch it, it's not big. Yeah. He's in nothing because I have seen everything that he's Well, I with. go the opposite way. A lot of times I think, guys, I'm like, he's in everything. And I read it and he's only in like four things, but it's four things I watch. Yeah. <laughs> so I think he's. Yep. No, he's in Walking Dead, he was in The Wire And he's in Starship
2: Troopers And it gets, yeah, that's everything It gets Does even he... harder now with the streaming services yeah. And shit, you're like, but you don't got this And you're like, no, I don't got that fucking obscure-ass Streaming yeah. service oh, It's not obscure to everybody who likes the shows That are on it and shit
3: right. And then that guy that keeps on popping up Is like, damn, he's writing my algorithm yeah. He's yeah. really got my shit down So this is the picture of Samuel Levine Okay, I was a little off now was it just picture quality or is his face fucked up
1: uh, i think he's just a chubby faced white guy
3: well no i um, mean his face i mean maybe it's just the angle but looks, looks like freddy krueger no, no not not i'm seeing like his skin <laughs> and it's, it's Friday, no it's freckles it, like it really looks yeah, like that's a like burn the, victim no
1: that's like those deep freckles it looks like, like, like on a, a shitty picture yeah but like, you know where those yeah that's kids. what i'm
3: saying so it's kind of a shitty picture
1: what because like those real freckles
3: those, those real deep make you look like your face was on fire and they put it out with a fork freckles yeah. this
2: this dude was like a professional police photo taker too because if you look at the one on the left <laughs> he's wearing a suit and he's it looks like a different picture but his face is almost identical in both pictures I mean the way he's posing, but he's wearing a suit and one and in the other it looks well, He looks like a divorced car salesman. <laughs> yeah.
3: Like he just <laughs> lost custody of his kid and we he's have Bug, drunk. Bug
1: Workman's stealing yeah. all the sales. You know, he's selling all <laughs> yep. the cars and shit. I'm out here grinding every day, Bug Workman <laughs> just comes in here,
3: sells three Cadillacs. To trying to cheat me out of my bonus. I said the last one wasn't clean.
1: Alright, so now we gotta do the DEF CON scale. Oh. So, standard DEFCON scale is 5 to 1, 5 being the lowest, 1 being the highest. But on the bad guy podcast, nobody's a good guy. So, 5 would be Lee Murray, who's your crack dealing, kidnapping bank robber. And at 1, you got the Purple Gang, who's got multiple gang wars, multiple massacres, and they kill people on the street. So, on a scale of Lee Murray to the Purple Gang, where would you rate Samuel
3: Levine? Well, my scale is three is your standard mobster sort of guy whatever one is your malicious just wants to kill everyone sort of guy i would put this guy as a two he's definitely a step up because he was literally assassin for hire so he's definitely on the upper echelon but he didn't seem aggressively violent you know what i mean like there's not a lot of stories of him taking out a lot of innocent people there's not a lot of stories about him going overboard or nothing he was very i mean when you're part of murder inc that's murder for hire so you have to put that in perspective Murder's not a good thing but when you are a paid assassin it's, it's just business baby you know <laughs> and especially on this podcast like you said no one's a good guy this is say hello to the bad guy and we have certain rules like the shootout rule and shit. So it seemed like he always stayed within the line. And then in terms of the morals, we deal with some real shitheads. People you can't trust, people that are fucking over their friends, greedy assholes. So even though his body count is up there because he was a fucking hitman, in terms of him just being malicious and shit, there's no way I could put him as a one. So i i definitely put him as a two, I think. I rest my
2: case. <laughs> All right. don dun. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> Man, that was a great explanation and, and I feel bad now having to go with three after that <laughs> long explanation. But I'm gonna go with a three. I, I wanna go with a two. He didn't have a family, and for some reason that comes into play with me as a family dude, like is a mobster, is a bad guy, is a career criminal, is a pirate, is whoever we're covering, able to maintain some of uh, normalcy and maintain like what we most people think is normal so he didn't have that factor he had a long period where we don't know what the hell was going on now you could go either way with that as a skeptic you could say well did he get away with a lot of shit because he was just that good or did he get away with a lot of shit because he was just chilling and you know kind of riding the waves so I'm i'm going with a three
3: i mean even though i did plead hard for a two i can see a three
2: I think he
1: rode off into the sunset in that he kind of did the, look, I I played my role. I played I, my part. Or I paid my dues and shit. I did what I needed to do. And uh, I'd, I'd really like to just chill for a while. Like, I don't know. Everybody else got killed. You're the last of the Mohicans.
3: I mean, he's the last of the cowboy, the dying breed, the way it yeah. used to be. And now it's just that lifestyle ain't around anymore. I mean, now that after you played that case for three, I'm almost like, he was in it since he was a teenager. Like this was just the world that he knew. I think I'm still going to go with a
1: two because I think you got right Joe the Boss and Salvatore Maranzano. So those are some yeah big time hits on your you know on your list. Yep. And we don't know the total contract, but anytime you're bitching about no. someone, he's taking some. Damn straight. I mean, some is. I mean, I don't know. you're fighting <laughs> to kill people, right, like you know, oh, yeah. I wanted to kill that guy. <laughs> he's killing yeah. all the people, and Yeah. I need, that's how I get my bonuses. So we don't know what the the number is, but so I guess I'll go with a two. I don't know that he had a family, but I do know he for sure kept a kosher household.
3: That's what I'm saying. It really even though consensus is it is a two and I said two, so of course I agree with it. I completely understand going with a three. He wasn't that outwardly malicious, just dickheaded dude. Dude, he's a four on Shabbat. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Come on. He yeah. don't roll on Shabbat,
2: god damn it.
3: See, he's a two, eh, nah, four on
2: Shabbat. Why yeah. did it, Why did he call it Shomer Shabazz and the Big Lebowski and you say Shabbat? I don't, I'm, I'm not with I, I, I would say it's probably closer to me butchering it. No, no, because I mean, I'm sure I didn't Or look maybe at it, that
3: guy was talking about a more specific Shabbat. All right. Like maybe. I'm going to have to get his Because I know it. what you're talking about, Walt, but I think maybe he was talking about a specific one. All right. I guess. I don't know. I
2: don't, I'm going to do better to get better educated so I know next <laughs> time.
3: Goddamn, now we all got to watch Big Lebowski. <laughs> Son of a bitch.
2: Never seen it. Because he says show oh, Shabazz. Oh, you
3: definitely need to. Never oh. seen Big Lebowski. You need to. Man, just it. for Goodman.
2: Ow. Just for Goodman and, well, I mean, not only Goodman, but the dude I abides. guess for all of it. So we're going to call him a DEFCON 2.
4: Take it to DEFCON 2. You heard that, gentlemen? DEFCON
1: 2. DEFCON 2.
3: Before we go, you guys got anything? Now that I drank a lot more of it, this a uh, fudgy Kruger. It's pretty good. Big Lake Brewing. It's pretty fucking good. When you poured it in there and it had that nice head on top and shit, I was like, man, I- you're a sucker for a good head.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's getting warm out, y'all. Drink some good brews. Uh, enjoy your family and uh, have good holidays if I don't see you guys before the end of them. word, What? what? He's better at this than us, man.
1: I got to be a better person.
3: (laughs) I'm making dick jokes. He's going from the heart. Six brews in,
2: you start getting fucking nostalgic, boys. I got to get my shit together. (laughs) All right, this is Say Hello
1: to the Bad Guy. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening.
0: We was down bad, my mama had to be dead And my birthday's in the trap, we had to work with what we had. she been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man. Plus, my daddy in the box, and all my cousins in the camera And I don't need a hundred friends, I just want a hundred bands, a hundred jokes, a hundred scams. Ay, ay. So, out of money, grabbed a hundred hams. Out of money, a bunch of <coughs> And bands. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the pistols. So fuck a judge with a grudge. I'm blowing crud for my mental, aid. ay. And I still keep it on me. Running into your big homie. First you meet your dead homie, ay. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. I like my money at a fast pass. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. I just did the dashway in a fast lane Let my money at a fast pace, look like I drag race Control your re up in my ashtray, I'm in my bag good girl, bad face, slim no waist and her ass fake And yeah, she in love with the bad guy But bad bitches never act right She act up until that bag fly I did a turnaround at one night